Amen, amen. Amen, I just love the presence of God. Sometimes I could just sit in it and not say anything. Not ask for anything, just sit there and appreciate how awesome he is. Amen. So this morning is not a series. It's a standalone message. Next week, Pastor Keith Tusi will be with us. He's the head of NRP, the network we're in. And I don't like to interrupt series as best I can. And so this morning... Lord gave me a different message for you. And I think it's going to help you. At least I hope so. If not, you should have just stayed in worship. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Before we get started this morning, I want to pray and then we're just going to dive into it. Father, I thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, go before me. Let none of my own words or opinion or theology come out, let it all be you. I pray, God, that every person under the sound of my voice leaves this place changed, wanting and knowing you more. Be with us this morning. Holy Spirit, we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever heard someone make the statement, that's my person or that's my people? I don't know when that became popular, but it's a thing that I did youth ministry for years, and even still, plenty of adults will say, oh, that's, that's my person. I actually just recently had heard that there was a, a wife that said that her husband wasn't her person. And I'm like, hold up. Something is wrong with this situation. And how many of you know we need people? Right? We need people in our lives. But it's important to remember that obviously Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, he says, in John 16, that I'm going to leave and I'm going to send you the helper. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And how many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit? Right? But how many of you have had a moment where you didn't listen to him? And if you're thankful for him and you didn't raise your hand, you just lied to him. Because you know that there were times that you didn't listen to what he said to do. Right? I could preach for the next three hours on things he said to do and I didn't do. Um, and so it's important this morning that while we do have the Holy Spirit in our lives leading us and guiding us into all truth, it's important to have people in our lives as well. And this morning, the title of my message is Three Voices of Victory. Three Voices of Victory. These are three people, three voices that you need in your life in order to walk victorious in the kingdom. Now, I want to give you two disclaimers. First, number one, I've already said that there is the Holy Spirit. There's the voice of the Holy Spirit that he leads us and guides us through the inner witness of the Spirit. And, and I get all of that. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not saying that's not important. Obviously, that is the first and most important voice of victory. Second, the most important voice is if you are married, the second most important voice is your spouse. If you're a husband, that's your wife. If you're a wife, that's your husband. I'll be clear on, how, on that too, you know. But that's the second most important voice. But I'm not even talking about that voice this morning. I want you to know that I'm not diminishing it. 
Husbands, listen to your wives. But wives, listen to your husbands. They'll save you a lot of trouble. I'm talking about different ones this morning. So we're going to jump into Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out tomorrow and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with, my, with the rod of God in my hand. So jo Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Aaron, and Moses, Aaron, and her went and stood to the top of the hill. And so it was. When Moses held his hand up, Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. For Moses' hands became heavy. Your hands ever became heavy? So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and on the other, another side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I want to focus on verse 8 for a second. Look at verse 8. Now Amalek came. Now Amalek came. I, I want to, before we even dive any further, I want to make sure that I lay out something to you. We, I agree that the enemy attacks. And that's what we're going to be talking about. When the enemy comes at you, the enemy has strategies. And, and, and the, God has a plan for your life, and the enemy has a plan for your life. But I need to take a step back and just put this disclaimer out there as well, that not everything that comes against you is the enemy. There's a whole lot of self-inflicted wounds in Christianity that we blame on the devil and we end up glorifying the devil and making him more powerful than he actually is. When if we had just done what the Holy Spirit told us to do, that wouldn't have happened. Amen. So, but Amalek came. Now, there are some times that you could be mobbing your own business, living for Jesus, loving Jesus, going to church, being a good, faithful believer, and the enemy comes to you. That's what I'm talking about. Amalek came have you ever been mobbing your own business and the enemy attacked right like you were you, you didn't do anything dumb you didn't do anything you weren't supposed to do and the next thing you know your whole world is on fire amalek came and attacked because see god has a purpose and plan and destiny for your life that he created before the foundation of the world that's why psalm 139 says he saw my substance while yet being unformed your purpose existed before your body did so god built your body around your purpose so that should take all insecurity and toss it out the window because the purpose that god gave for you was there first and he built a body around it right so he has a plan for our lives and that plan runs every day all day he's got something predestined for us every day however the enemy has a plan for you too his is a lot easier though much more simple to understand it's in John 10, 10. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is it. He doesn't care how he does it. He doesn't care when he does it. He doesn't care what it takes. His whole purpose is to steal from you, kill you, and to destroy you. For example, and I'm just going to, I don't really do a whole lot of current event preaching necessarily, but I am this morning. And you, you, you there's a whole, there's so much, and you know it right now in our culture about transgenderism and identity and you can identify as this and the multi different spectrums and all that kind of stuff and it's biological is it science all this kind of stuff right that's fine and there's this massive push in the media look up the people who were on the cutting edge of that movement 10 years ago go find out how many of them are suicidal go find out how many of them are in debt up to their eyeballs because they had the surgeries and now they're trying to reverse them right why? Because the enemy's goal is to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. 
the enemy only advertises how good it looks up front. He never tells you what's coming at the end of it. And so there are so many people that have fallen victim to the plan of the enemy. And chances are that wouldn't have happened if they'd have had some of these voices in their lives. So, but you have to understand that the enemy doesn't come up to you without a plan. The enemy doesn't know what God's plan is for you, but he knows there is one. And the more that I pursue him, the more that I'm like him, the more that I spend time with him, the more of a threat I am to the enemy. So the more he puts crosshairs on me. There was a time in our youth ministry in Chalmette that I was, um, we were doing a lot. It was probably the healthiest, it wasn't the biggest, but it was the healthiest our group ever was. And um, we had an issue with a, a, another guy in Chalmette who, who threatened me. He was much bigger than me and he said, if I see you, I'm going to snap your little neck off your head. Your head off your neck, sorry. And I'm like, oh, there's a problem. Because he could have absolutely without even problem, not even breaking a sweat. It's like a walking refrigerator. And hey, this is a problem. And I remember being so overcome with fear because in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to have to shoot this dude. Like, he's going to kill me. I'm going to have to shoot him. Like, there's no other shot. Because if he comes to my house, to come, I, mean, I, ain't gotta, I, don't, I don't even have a concealed carry permit. But I don't want him to do. I'm, I'm 26 years old trying to figure out what to do. Right? I'm stupid. 27. And that it passes, right? Well, about a week later, it's a Monday night, and my daughter wakes up. Now, my daughter Addison slept all night at like seven or eight weeks. She was an angel. She's about just made a year, and she wakes up absolutely screaming in the middle of the night. Total panic, drenched, obviously having a nightmare. Caitlin thinks she's hungry. She's trying to feed her, and she thinks her ears hurt. So she's doing all the mom things, and I'm doing the dad thing. I got the pillow on my ear, and I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Bless the Lord. And about two hours into this, I'm like, I should probably get involved. You know what I'm saying? So I get up, and I'm like trying to help. And Caitlin's literally like, I don't know what to do. I've done everything. I don't know what to do. So I'm like, oh, let's just put worship music up. So I put, Holy Spirit, you welcome here on. Boom, Addison stopped crying. Choom, went to sleep. I'm like, awesome. Back to sleep. <laughs> Next night, same time, same thing. Boom, she's up again screaming. Like a typical dad. What do I do? Roll over, cover my ears. This is frustrating. Kid, get, 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 get with it, right? Like you don't have this problem. What are we doing? This is not how we operate. Okay, how the house works. What are you doing? I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, that night again, two hours, her screaming nonstop. Okay, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Burn. Stops crying. You would have thought I would have figured it out. No, so I go to the office the next day, and it was a Wednesday. And one of our intercessors, this old lady, Miss Miriam, she comes, and she's in. I don't even know why she's there. And I'm exhausted because I didn't sleep, and I'm rubbing my eyes, whatever. And she said, what's the matter, Pastor Chris? And I said, I said, my daughter was up screaming all night. And she said, said, really, like what? I said, man, the last two nights at about 2, 33 o'clock in the morning, she's been up screaming like crazy for two hours. We can't sleep. And she said, that baby's being tormented. What are you doing about it? And I said, well, I gas pain said no 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 no. there's an assignment against your family and it's attacking your kids and i'm like oh all right so i just forget about it because that's what you do when you're young and you know whatever so i forget about it. I go home 2 30 guess what happens <laughs> screaming again but this time i'm like hold up i usually listen when miss miriam says something so i'm like well, let me see so i immediately take my phone out Put on Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Boom, she stops crying. I said, all right, I got it. I stand up. I, it's, it's a true story. I've done this three times. It's a true story. I got up, went in our pantry, and got a three-gallon jug of Crisco oil, 
went outside and anointed my property line with oil. Addison hasn't had a nightmare since. A year later, see, the problem was I had a three-gallon bottle, and I was a little generous in the beginning. And so I ran out. I did three sides. I didn't do this other side. Well, Addison room was on the front. A year later, I got another daughter living at home. The side I didn't do, same guy threatens me another time. Bethany now wakes up screaming all night. I'm like, hold up. I know what this is. But I went, I went, and got, a, I went, I got dressed, went to a 24-hour Walgreens, bought me a five-gallon jug. I said, I'm tired of fooling with this. So I done anointed the whole property line of the house, the front. They still got stains on it. And I don't even live there anymore. And they still got oil stains on it. I've dumped so much on the concrete. Why? Because there was a voice that came into my life and said, hey, you, you're misidentifying me. The enemy had a plan against me. If you don't have people that you trust speaking into your life, you're in for a world of hurt for the next 50 years you're trying to serve Jesus. The first voice that you need, we just read it a second ago in verse 9. And Moses said to Joshua, Joshua is the fighter. You need a fighter. Last thing I'm going to say, disclaimer, is not only do you need these voices, but you need to be these voices. You need to be these voices. The first one is the fighter. Joshua, Moses tells Joshua, hey, you go in the valley and fight the Amalekites. Joshua's like, got it. Take turn and starts fighting. You need a friend that will show up in the middle of a fight and do whatever you need them to do. Whatever you need them to do. March of 2018, I'm on a flight to Houston to do the wedding of our now youth pastors at Shelma, Jason and Melanie Tucker. My wife. I get a missed call from Caitlin. Caitlin um, Jason gets a missed call from Caitlin at 11.45 at night. This is not good. Like, you know immediately that when my wife, who wants to go to bed at 7.45 every night, when she's calling me four hours at 11.45 p.m., something's wrong, and my dad's very sick, so I automatically thought it was my dad. So I, I pick up the phone, and I call her, and she's like, hey, the kids are okay. I'm like, okay, that's good, but that means someone isn't. Whenever mom starts off with the kids are okay, you know that somebody is not. Well, she had fallen down the stairs and snapped her big toe in half. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm in Houston. <laughs> what do I need to do, right? I, I, I get a flight, but then not, no, it isn't another flight till 5 o'clock the next morning. I'm like, what do you want me to do? She's like, no, okay, um, you know, I got to figure out what are you talking about. Well, she had already called people in Chalmette. And a lady in the church, a friend of ours, Rachel Wilson, got up at 11.45 at night, drove down to my house, got out of bed, drove down to my house, cleaned, because my daughter threw up upstairs, that's what happened. That's why she was going to get her. She bathed my daughter, cleaned up the throw up, put my daughter back to bed, helped my wife get to the room, helped my wife get dressed, because she had to go to the hospital. When my wife's uncle came to get her, she couldn't walk, they had a carrier, she stayed with my kids until my mom got down from Slidell, and then she went home and went to sleep. Never told us anything, never heard about it again. Why? Because she's a fighter. What do you need? I'm there. You need people like that in your life. And this is the easiest one, right? And we all, everybody's saying amen, but can you say amen at 2 o'clock in the morning? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. See, you can say amen for some people. What about them other people? What about the people you're not necessarily a big fan of? The ones that kind of annoy you a little bit. ones that frustrate you. They get up under your skin. You don't like the way they sing too loud in worship and they always a half step off. Or, or 
Or they date a person that always monopolizes the life group. Or they date a person that always has to be the center of attention when the group gets together to hang out. That person, if that person calls you at 11.45 at night, can you answer the phone and say, amen, I'm coming? Can you be a fighter? If somebody says, hey, me and my wife are going through a problem, can you pray and not gossip? I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. I got a buddy of mine. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to fast this week. I got some stuff going on with this, the building and the attorney and the mess and shaman. So I'm going to fast. I got a friend from Texas. Okay, I'll fast. Even ask him to. I'm fasting with you. Okay. Why? Because he's a fighter. He'll jump in the middle of the mess, regardless of what it looks like, and he's going to help me fight out of it. Notice, Moses told Joshua one thing. Joshua went down and fought. They never spoke about the issue again. He just had his assignment. He knew what he needed, and that was it. You've got to have fighters in your life, and you have to be a fighter for somebody else. Because you never, we all know about sowing and reaping. We just preached about it for a month. We all know about sowing and reaping. You don't know when you're going to need it. You don't know when it's going to happen. When I fell and busted my head open a couple weeks ago, I needed, I needed a few fighters. Like, people I don't even really talk to just because I'm busy had to watch my kids till my mom got there because I was unconscious. Thank God that they were people who recognized the situation and jumped into the middle of my mess and got involved. You need fighters in your life. You need to be them because there are going to be times when you can't handle it all, you can't figure it out, or you've got so much going on in one particular area that you need somebody else to jump in and help you with some of the other things in your life. You ever had somebody come over and just do your laundry? I've had that. All hell broke loose. Caitlin's having surgery. I'm trying to keep up with the with with the two babies, get them to school back and forth. I come home, and two leaders from youth are sitting in my, in my living room folding clothes. I'm like, how'd y'all get in? Because the door's always open. I'm sure the door's always open. Just sitting on the, on the floor doing the laundry. Because they knew it had to get done, and my wife couldn't do it, and my wife didn't like when I fold clothes. She says, I don't fold them right. Okay. Bless the Lord. You need a fighter in your life. People that want to see you win so bad, they'll sacrifice themselves to see you in victory. The second person you need is the reminder. Now, see, the fighter, that's the person you go bowling with. That's the person you go on vacation with. That's the person when you want to hang out on the weekend, that's the people you, you call and you hang out with. That's the fighter. The reminder is not the person you hang out with on the weekend. The reminder is the person that is in your life because you need them to be, even if you don't always want them to be. The reminder is the person that is 100% okay with hurting your feelings. Because they love you. But they'll hurt. Pastor Chris, I don't believe the Lord wants us to hurt people's feelings. First off, do you know the Holy Ghost? Because our flesh hurts his feelings. So he's no problem hurting that. But apparently, if, if you don't believe that's the case, you've never read the story of Ruth. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in Ruth chapter 3, Ruth is about to go glean in the fields with Boaz. And Naomi stops her and says, hold up. You're about to go glean from Boaz, and, and we all know that Ruth's trying to give Boaz his attention. Right, we know that she's going to the church meeting, right, to get Boaz to look at her. Naomi says, hold up. Go shower. Go wash your face and fix your hair. 
That's it's in the Bible. Naomi says, hold up, don't, don't let him see you like this. Go fix yourself and then go, go get in front of Boaz. There are times that we are going about our lives doing our thing and we think we're doing it right and we're not. But the fighter is too busy helping us fight that they don't really see what's going on because they're too close to the situation. The reminder is something that's in your life, but you might not even be the closest to them. But they'll come up to you and say, hey, I want to let you know you're out of line. I love you, and, but, but, but what you're doing right now ain't right. It's not who you are, and it's not who the spirit inside you is, the way you're acting right now. Well, Pastor Chris, uh, well, why can't my friend do that? Well, they will, but you won't listen to them. You'll argue with your friend. But here's something I've found, right? That there are people who claim to want accountability. But when someone comes to make them accountable for something, they always find a reason to reject it. There are some people who are so used to toxicity that they reject anything orderly. So when somebody comes around in your life to help bring order to a situation, first off, that means there's disorder there. When we walk in my kid's room, my kid's room is a disaster most of the time. So when mama or daddy walk in the room, it's not, hey, guys, can we clean the room now? It's not the case. We're walking in. And there's a problem because they have not been doing what they were supposed to be doing by picking up the toys when they're finished playing with them, right? I don't know if you forgot how to get your kids to do that. If you have, please come to my house and fight with me. Be a Joshua and fight with me and help me learn my kids. Not teach them, learn my children how to do this. No. But I got to go in there and say, hey, this room needs to be clean. Let me remind you where it goes. This goes here. This goes there. Baby, why didn't you put it there? You know where it goes. Well, I was just. No, no, no. I don't want to hear it. I was just. That's where it goes. Please put it there. You need people in your life that will come up to you and are not so close and friendly to you and love you so much that they can't stand when you're hurting. No, I need somebody who will say, you know what? Hey, you're being stupid right now. You're not acting like the spirit you claim lives inside of you does. Can you take that from somebody? And what I love is people say, oh, Pastor Chris, you can. I can't be your reminder. I can't be. I can remind you when you, here's the other thing too. Nobody lets the pastor see him when they need to be reminded. Ever. If I'm coming by your house, that thing going to be clean. It's going to be mopped. They're going to have worship music on the radio. Heaven's going to fill the house. But if Amanda's stopping by to drop off some milk, it's going to be a train wreck. So I can't be your reminder, but she can. I got people in my life who are my reminders. Adam Brown's one of those people. He's my executive pastor at the church. We don't hang out every weekend. I love Adam like a brother, but we, we just don't. And nothing against him, nothing against me. We just don't hang out every weekend. We used to work together at, at, a, at a pawn shop, P-A-W-N. I've been very careful. My accent sometimes makes that sound like something else. Pawn shop. 
I was a youth pastor, and I was his boss at night. He was my boss during the day, and, and he comes up to me one time, and he says, hey, I'm not talking to you as your boss right now. I'm talking to you as your, you know, youth pastor slash brother in Christ, and please go in the back and repent because I don't even know if he's saved right now. That's what he told me at, in front of customers. Like, I don't even know if you know Jesus. Go to the back and get it right. He stepped in, took over my transaction so I could go in the back and get myself right because I wasn't. I was having a miserable day. I was being a jerk to everybody I talked to. It's like, that ain't who you are. You're supposed to get in the back and get it right. A couple weeks later, he told me that he was fasting and he wasn't going to eat until after lunch. And he had to read his Bible and do his praying at lunch. Well, it's about 1130 in the morning. He couldn't take his lunch till 1. And he was hangry. And so... I go knock on the door. Now, he's my boss, right? He says, what? <laughs> That's the kind of day he's having. All right. I open the door. I said, hey, I'm not talking to you as your employee. I'm talking to you as brother in Christ. Um, bro, get it right. It's bad. It ain't, you, you ain't, you, he's like, <laughs> okay. All right. I, I'll take care of the front. I got the store. You, you, you need Jesus right now. <laughs> or a sandwich. <laughs> Probably both. But we got to get it right. What the problem is, is that we don't want to let somebody in and give them the license to speak like that. We don't want it. Or we do, and then they say it. I don't like the way you said that. You said, you didn't say that with love. I don't feel like you said that with love, Brother Chris. How can... How can someone lovingly say your attitude is awful? How can someone say you are living in denial sweetly? It's impossible. It is a very offensive statement. I don't need to be a jerk about it, but Daniel, uh, Daniel, be in denial, dude. You're not seeing this for what it is. Well, you hurt my feelings. You didn't say that with love. No, bro, it's in love I said it because me, I don't feel like taking time out of my time to get in your mess when I know you don't want to hear it. No, but you need people like that, and you need to be that. But I'm going to warn you, don't be it for somebody else if you're not willing to receive it. Because that just turns you into a critical religious spirit when you're busy reminding everybody else of their issues and nobody can talk to you. Don't be that person. You've got to have a fighter who can get in the middle of your mess and who can fight with you, and they're not going to judge you. They're going to see you at your worst. I'm going to tell you one more story. Because sometimes you get you bless the people who can be both. For me, Mitchell Fernandez, a lot of y'all might know Mitchell. Mitchell and I, we hung out last night. We've been best friends for close to 25 years now. And um, all the mess that went on in Shelmet a couple years ago with the church split and flood and all this kind of stuff, and it was just a – uh, a, you ever had a bad day? Like I'm talking like when you open your eyes, you're like, this is going to be a great day. And like 13 seconds later, you're like, nope, just kidding. This was all, uh, it's off to a rashing start, right? Like it's going to be amazing. That is one of them days. So I get to the office. I mean, it's all crazy. It's all kind of mess happened, phone calls, just nonsense or whatever. Well, Mitchell happens to call me in the middle of me Literally walking out of the office, getting in my truck and leaving, I was telling everybody. Just bonk, gone. And like, what's going on, dude? And for about 180 seconds, I wasn't saved. I never even knew who Jesus was. 
I was just venting. You ever vented? Don't get, don't get religious and say you haven't. You ever vented? You ever just lost it? Like you, like you don't even remember how, to, how you started going off and then you're like, what just happened? That's what that was. I'm driving. And he's on the phone. And he literally lets me run. I mean, I'm going at it. And he says, are you done? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, never let me hear you talk like that again. He said, you're called to be a man of God, and that's not, not how they talk. So I want to hear it again. He said, I'm serious. Next time I'm driving, I'm I'm slapping you in the face. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> and he would. But somebody saw me in my mess. He jumped in and said, well, I'm coming to help. He was in church the following Sunday, came to service in Shemek just because he knew how down and beat up I was. But reminded me of who I was. And then for the next week, every time we got on the phone, he said, hey, don't forget who you are. He said, you're not going to be that other guy again, right? He reminded me. Who in your life can remind you? Who in your life can say, hey, Taylor, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll come help do your dishes if, if you need me to, but, but no, 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 this, this ain't who you are. This ain't who God's called you to be, right? Who is that? So we got the fighter, and we got the reminder, because that's Aaron and her. They were up by his ears. They lifted up his hands when he got tired, and they, were, they kept putting him, lifting him up. They put a chair underneath him. They sat next to him, and they lifted his arms. They reminded him. They were by his ears. They told him, this is who you are. There's a third voice that comes in the next chapter. I want to be a little quicker. There's a third voice that comes in the next chapter. It's his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, Jethro, the third voice you need is the leader. The leader. So we've got the fighter, we've got the reminder, and we've got the leader. And the leader, if you, if you read through the story of Moses, Moses doesn't see Jethro very often. It's his father-in-law. Moses doesn't see Jethro very often. But Moses has one conversation with Jethro, and it completely changes the entire nation of Israel. Jethro gives him wisdom to a situation from an outside perspective looking in, and he's able to give him wisdom on how to handle a situation that he wouldn't have had, his reminder wouldn't have had for him, nor his fighter would have had for him. There are people in your life that God will give you that you'll never be BFFs with, you'll never go on vacation with, you'll never hang out with and have this deep emotional bond of a relationship with, but they're in your life. God puts them in your life as a leader figure that you go to when you do not know what to do. And you've prayed and you've fasted and you've sought the Lord and your, your fighters fighting and your reminders reminded, but you still don't know what to do. This is the person, this is for me, this is Kitusi. Kitusi and I talk, he'll be here next Sunday. He, he, we talk probably once a week, if not once every other week. He's the head of NRP. And we have a good relationship. But I do not consider him, I don't have a relationship like I have with Raph. It's, it's different, man. It's, it's completely different. I'm comfortable with him, but I'm not, I don't cut up. That's not one of my boys. But when my wife had, when she fell down the stairs and broke her foot, we didn't realize this because she was pregnant. And she had a miscarriage. And my wife was a perfectionist. She had never failed at anything. That was the first time in her life that she had to deal with 
she wasn't capable of doing something because she fell and her body wasn't capable of keeping the baby. You know, the whole problem. And I'm not a mom. I don't I don't claim to even understand what that was like. All I know is as a husband, I had no idea how to minister or talk to my wife. I was clueless. Plus, I didn't really know how to factor this. I never even considered what that would be like. Like there, there's a child that that was conceived that now isn't there anymore. And that, that was hard for me to wrap my mind around. And so I called Pastor Keith and I said, hey, I said, listen, I don't have a whole lot of time. I said, this is the situation. I said, but I need I need to understand. I'm, my brain is very theological. I, I need to understand scripture. I want scripture to stand on. I want to know how I'm supposed to process, how I'm supposed to think. And so I called him and I said, hey, I need you to help me through this. I need you to give me scripture. I need you to walk me through this. And for the next 25 minutes on the phone, he literally stopped what he was doing, went inside. He was working on his car. Put it, I heard him putting his tools down, washed his hands, got his Bible out, and we did a 25-minute Bible study. He stopped everything he was doing and spoke to me in that moment. We never talked about it again. But he spoke to the situation, and he said, Chris, you don't have to talk to your wife right now. You should love your wife. You don't have to lead your wife. You love your wife. You're not, you can't fix this for her. Stop trying to. You're going to get in the way if you try. And he gave me wisdom that I would have never had. Now, she's still got her foot in the cast. I still got people coming to help them with the kids. They help them doing the laundry. They help them clean the house. They help them get them to and from school. I got fighters and reminders everywhere. But none of them were able to give me what this guy was able to give me. You have to have this voice in your life, but you'll never have it if you're not submitted. You'll never have it if you're not submitted to authority anywhere. That's why it's so crucial to make sure that we stay in a place where we're connected to the body of Christ because the body of Christ has leadership. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. You need these three voices of victory because I don't know about you, but um, I find myself in a fight quite often. I find myself in a battle quite often. A couple of weeks ago, I had the reminders and I had the fighters, but you know who the voice of 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 leadership was Stephanie Miller in Chiamet. She's one of the pastors on in Chiamet. She's one of our pastors or whatever, and she's a nurse practitioner. And I was having trouble where every time I closed my eyes, the room would spin, and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't fall asleep. And when I when I can't fall asleep normally, I'll put on a documentary or something and just watch it till I fall asleep. And she's like, "Well, the problem is, is that you're you're watching something." which is keeping your brain, your brain's trying to watch it, and it's stimulating your brain, which is making your brain work, which is making it hurt. Stop watching something. Put on music. I said, I can't listen to music. I'm a musician. Like, you put music on, and I'm going to start analyzing the bass part when I'm supposed to be going to sleep. She's like, well, then you got to find something that you, 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 your brain turns off to. Thank God for the Russian composer Tchaikovsky. Because I'm not classically trained, so I can't analyze it. So I, w I put on classical music, and there's a, a guy named Cora Russell who prays. He just records music, and he prays to it. And I put those two things on. But she said, stop watching TV. Something so simple, but nobody else told me that. It was a leadership voice that came to my life, somebody who had way more expertise than me, got involved. But if I wouldn't have went to her and said, hey, this is a problem I'm having, what do I do with this? I would have never got that advice. And the reason I say all of this is because this church here, for the most part, is what, what I love about it. It's a giant family. There's 
there's friendships, there's brotherhood, there's sisterhood. And usually what happens in a very close-knit setting, these three relationships crash with each other. Because people are usually not mature enough, humble enough, and teachable enough to allow somebody two years younger than them who's been serving the Lord five years longer than them to actually have a voice in their life. When, when I look around the room, I see enough people in this room that love Jesus enough that you should be able to listen to, that you should be able to take advice from, that you should be able to go to with, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? I don't need you to fix it. I need you to help me. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to call me. I don't need you to fix it. Or actually, yes, I need you to fix this. I am seven loads of laundry behind. Because I've been tormented by anxiety for the past two weeks. Can you please come by my house, hang out with me, and help me fold some towels? Can you be humble enough to do that? Because, see, when people out there, when they come in, they don't want to walk into a high school cafeteria where the friends sit here and the friends sit here. And then there's the social butterflies that bounce from group to group to group. They don't want that. They want to walk into Thanksgiving dinner. When, or Christmas, when everybody gets together and everybody's loving on each other and they're spending time together, that's what they want to walk into. And then when they find out that it's not just something that happens on Sunday, that it's something that happens throughout the week, that the people who love each other and they're there for each other and they have each other's back and they're not talking about each other behind each other's back because that's actually sin, even though the church seems to forget that gossip is. But, but they don't do these things and they genuinely love each other. Man, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? You need these three voices in your life. But more importantly than those three, you need the one voice, which is Jesus. Because there's going to come a day in time when all three of those voices can't give you what you really need, which is him. But I'm so thankful that as I pursue him and I run after him, and I'm chasing after him, and I'm spending my devotion time with him, I look up, and I have these people. So my first question for you this morning is, is do you have him? Do you have him? Second question is, do you have these voices? And third is, are you being these voices? And I wasn't sure how I was going to close this morning until just now. You can bow your heads this morning. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God our son knows only how 